You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. Well, now that uh, Mike did that, for those of you guys who come to the mills and you know David, is this sitting on the chair? Is that good? Is this more like, more like David Kennard? You notice I left the chair. I wouldn't even have said anything, but now you know why I left the chair up here, so I could kind of, you know, do more like David. Maybe you didn't even notice that. I don't know if you noticed that, but David, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this, and then he'll do this. So we'll see. We'll see how I can do today with that. And now you just, you just brought a whole bunch of jokes in play that I wouldn't have, couldn't have said. You'll see a quote from the uh, Complete Jewish Bible on the screen later. It's David Kennard. <laughs> It's great. You know, it's good. It's good. We'll have fun. Uh, well, it also explains why if you have the app, which I hope you do have the app, uh, you'll see that his name is on there, yeah? At the very top, his name, David Kennard, is on there. So we'll see how closely, closely connected at the brain we are. We're, we're, using, uh, we're using this. I mean, Matthew did all the work this morning. So, you know, we're using the same, same playbook this morning, hopefully. So, uh, uh, yeah, we're in this theme. You guys probably know if you've been around. If you, if you haven't been around, All In is our theme. And uh, we've been talking about this idea that since Jesus has gone all in for us, uh, we will go all in for Jesus. I'll go all in for him. And really, there's a, there's a picture that um, I want to put in your mind this morning, and hopefully it'll, it'll kind of work on you the whole time. And then you'll be able to apply it to the concept we're talking about. And it's a pretty simple metaphor. Um, we have 12 disciples here this morning that have agreed to play Jesus 12 disciples. So uh, those disciples, I think, are ready to help you and me with a picture of what we're talking about this morning. And uh, I want to, to kind of call them up here to illustrate the idea that we're talking about and really the completing concept of what we've been talking about, about being all in. Jesus has gone all in for us. We talked about what Jesus has done for us, and we talk about that a lot. We've talked about our decision and response to that. And uh, today we're talking about really the process that God wants for everybody who he has gone all in for, it eventually completes in what we're talking about this morning. So do we have 12 disciples? You guys want to want to come up here? This is your, your call to come forward. And uh, they all have name tags on that say real big kind of who they represent. If, if you're new to the whole Bible thing, uh, Jesus had uh, 12 uh, people that he called close to him and kind of spent time training and uh, spending time with. And here they are here. And uh, so I have something for all of you. If you guys want to come over here, um, I'll, I'll do the honors here. I don't know how many of you guys, how many of you guys like donuts? Whether you think they're healthy for you is not the question. You like donuts, and it is kind of a, you know, if you found out you were getting one, it'd be good news outside of, like, any kind of calorie situation that you would be worried about. Um, so here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to come around, kind of gather, cluster awkwardly around this plate, and I want you guys to each take one, and uh, I want you to eat it just right here in front of these guys, um, right in front of all the people that are watching. They are eating it. Uh, we'll have some dry mouth going on. If it hits the floor, give it the tray. And uh, Trey will be, there's always one. There has to be a disciple that's willing to eat off the floor in every group. All right. So hopefully, did you guys all get one? Did you all get one? Did you get something that you kind of were okay with flavor-wise? Or, I mean, it's sugar and dough, right? I mean, how is that bad? Even if it's got lead. Does anyone get like pumpkin spice or anything? Was there any of that in there? Oh, there was? Okay. Chocolate? Anybody, you got a chocolate one? Any like just plain glaze stuff? No? What is that? Cinnamon? Tastes like, is it okay? All right. Oh, they cleaned the plate, guys. They, they clean. 
is that a, is that a, Lexi, is that a face like, oh, I wish I had one? You had kind of that face on, almost like, oh, they get a donut now and get one. I, was, I thought that's what I was reading there. I mean, you guys, how many guys had at least your coffee this morning? All right, so it's not too bad that, that you're not getting any. Well, the good news is these guys are going to bring you something here. So uh, why don't you guys take this tray and, uh, and uh, you know, I'll let you decide kind of who you want to pick out to go and, uh, you know, wherever God leads you to bring your donut out there. So be ready, you know, and, and, you know, there's not really a whole lot of opportunity to be for eating in church to be condoned. So now you have a chance. Uh, so you can't, we can't be worried about your crumbs and stuff because we're giving you the donut. So, um, yeah, go, go out there and find some recipients of these donuts. We'll, we'll see who, who really would enjoy taking this. We didn't do anything to them. You know, these are, these are perfectly good donuts. You know, if you're an Oakmont Bakery fan, you know, maybe that'll help you receive it. It, it is Oakmont Bakery here. And it looks like we cleared them all off there. Did you guys all, and, and you know, you can just leisure, you can just eat this donut in a leisurely way. You can save it for later. Thank you, disciples, for, for what you've done there. Appreciate your help this morning with that. You can take as long or as late. You can eat it. It's, it's really no problem. You don't need, you can eat the donut. It's, you're allowed. You, you have permission to eat the donut. You can also save it for later. Um, you can do what Pastor Bill does, and he gets little pieces and eats little pieces. It's like, eats it for like two hours, little pieces. I don't understand that. I usually inhale that kind of stuff. So, um, so keep this in your mind. And for some of you, it'd be very easy for you to keep in your mind because you're eating a donut right now. Um, what does it mean to be sent out? That's the question we're going to talk about for a few minutes this morning. What does it mean to be sent out? Because this is the completion of the process of really being all in um, and understanding and talking about what we have been talking about and to kind of look at this and you'll get pretty quickly here what the, what the metaphor is doing. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew was uh, one of those people that was represented up here this morning. He followed Jesus pretty closely and uh, Jesus brought him out of a very different life. He had a very different life before he met Jesus. And so he's writing and uh, he is one of the ones that wrote uh, some things about Jesus' life and left it for us today so we can learn some things. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to, we're going to focus uh, specifically on verses 1 through 8 this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about this and talk about the implications that it has for our lives. So uh, you can read that in the notes. There are paper Bibles there for you. If you want to just be in your uh, regular electronic Bible, that's fine too. However you want to get there, Matthew chapter 10 is what we're looking at. So let's, let's dig in here. It says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples, to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, the writer of what we're reading now, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. 
Freely you have received, freely give. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we do believe that you have left these words for us to learn something from, but more than just to add to our understanding, we believe, God, that you want these words to transform us, to inspire us to action, and we believe that you want to engage with us and help us as we take action around these words. So help us this morning as individuals, help us as a church, as a, as a, a corporate entity this morning, to understand something and have the desire and the ability by, by your power to respond and act on what we hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you'll notice it says that Jesus called them together. And, you know, there are nuances to these terms in the scripture. And here, this idea of being called, um, we can kind of, sometimes I can kind of read this and look at this and it's almost like Jesus is just hanging out like we are with a bunch of friends and be like, hey guys, let's all just like get around in a living room together. And, And this really is a little more official. If I had to pick a word, it's a little more official than that. This idea of him calling them together is a little more of a, of a bigger deal. So he gets his disciples together, and it's, it's more formal. It's, it's more confrontational, actually. And so when he calls them together, this is kind of like a commissioning uh, situation here. So he's face-to-face with them. Uh, Jesus always prayed and entreated with the Father about what he did when he was selecting the disciples. He talked to God about that. So this wasn't uh, whim. It wasn't just, oh guys, here's a good idea. Jesus was very intentional about gathering them together, locking eyes with them, and focusing on an important event that was about to take place. This was uh, the moving of from one stage to another stage. These disciples have been hanging out with him, and Jesus is changing the situation when he calls them together. So this is more like, not, not quite like a work meeting maybe, but more like, okay, we need to have a meeting, and we need to talk seriously about something. We have some important things to discuss, and I have some important things to tell you. So these guys have been hanging out with him. Uh, really, it's, it's kind of like they've been doing this extended internship with Jesus. They've been watching everything that he did, and he was sharing his whole life with them. They spent day and night together. Uh, they were watching his ministry. They were watching his words. They were seeing his power. They were realizing who he was. They were, there were missteps along the way, and I encourage you to go read all of that. If you're new to the scriptures, go read the stories Uh, the New Testament of Jesus' life, um, he kind of invited these guys in to this very deep learning experience, and he was showing them everything he possibly could, pouring out everything. So he would do something, and he would teach them, and he would talk and explain it. So something big would happen, he would pull them aside, pour into them. And there were a lot of... uh, Tough stuff, tough situations along the way. If you, if you read, sometimes they didn't get stuff that was going on. Sometimes Jesus was kind of like, hey, guys, like open your eyes and pay attention to what's going on. And they've been going through this and seeing this depth of ministry. So this is almost like, okay, the, the, the classroom is kind of ending here. Um, and it's time for you to take this stuff you've learned, and, and we're going to actually send you out to do something with what you've learned. And there's this idea, too, that really... Unless they had spent that time with him, they would kind of be clueless as to what they were supposed to go do. So he's calling them together, and there's this underlying foundation that they had spent time with him. Not only had they learned things, but they knew him. And keep that in your mind as you think about this idea of being sent out. So the, our 12 disciples this morning came up here. And before they took something to you, they received something. 
And it was a good thing. I mean, the reason a donut was picked, I mean, it's not a real deep concept, but donut was chosen because it's good. You know, it's positive. It's not like, oh my goodness, we have to take this horribly bitter, terrible thing to people, you know. Um, it is good news. Jesus poured good things into them. Uh, he had a good plan for their lives. The, the good news of who God is and how much he loves us, it's good. It's a good thing that we should be excited to be able to, to partake of ourselves, but to share with others. But first, they had to partake of it themselves. And they spent time with Jesus doing that, watching, listening, and knowing who he was. They saw who he really was. And in seeing Jesus, they saw who God was. So there's this other word there. He says that, um, it says that he gave them authority. And that's an interesting word. Authority is something that is given. And usually when authority is giving, given, it's not given lightly. It's usually coming from a place of uh, leadership and oversight and exclusive leadership a lot of times. So the idea here is that Jesus was the only one who really possessed the authority to be able to do all of these life-giving things. And here, as the one in charge, he is giving away something extremely exclusive and very important. He is delegating responsibility to these uh, ones who have spent time with him. So there's almost like a, like a legal uh, responsibility implication here. That Jesus had authority to do all of these various things. To pronounce things and to say things, to do things. to rep- And really, ultimately, it's authority to represent God. And he is, and this is a big deal. He is giving them authority to represent God. And it's kind of a scary thought, if you think about it. The, the, my initial reaction to that for myself would be like, whoa, like, uh, <laughs> don't look at me. Like, I, I'm not the best reflection of what, what God is. And I think that'd be a natural tendency for all of us to almost want to shun that responsibility because we feel like, man, I'm inadequate. My shoulders aren't as big as God's, and I'm not really him. So it's a big deal that Jesus is trusting them with this authority. I mean, he was sinless. He was awesome. He was God. And he's saying, I'm giving you authority to do the stuff that I've been doing. And it's a, it's a powerful concept that, that he freely gave that. I mean, if I was Jesus, I would have been scared. He knew these guys. He knew these guys. That should make it more scary when you know these guys and you're like, dude, I like, I watch you around the fire. Like we've eaten together. I've seen some of the dumb stuff you said and done. I mean, he said, Peter at one time, he was like, get behind me, Satan. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're giving authority to these people. So I, there, there's a lot of power in that. And then if you go down a little further, it says that he sent them out with instructions. He didn't just toss them out there. And this idea of instructions, this word is used uh, around 30 times in the New Testament. And there are several kind of ways that it's used. This word for instructions, when he's giving them instructions and sending them out with instructions, the implication here is that um, it's used kind of like in military settings, that word, the same word is used, almost like a, a general or a commanding officer giving orders. So that's pretty formal. And, and when a commanding officer give orders, the, the implication is you're going to follow them. Not just follow them, you're going to follow them to the letter. So there's force behind this idea of instructions. It's also used legally. Instructions, almost like what we would call uh, a modern-day subpoena, like you're being instructed to do something, to show up at a certain place, to fulfill a responsibility. So you've been given something, and here is what is expected of you as a result. So there's a weight to it. This instruction isn't like, hey, here's the recipe, follow it if you want. 
There's force behind what he's saying to his disciples here. There's a sense of responsibility. And again, you couple that with the word authority and you couple it with these idea, this idea of a confrontational calling. There's weight to this to where they were probably sitting there pretty wide-eyed, quiet with a lump in their throat, kind of thinking like, okay, things are changing here. We need to pay attention to what's going on. Uh, there's also an ethical way that this word is used, almost like we have an ethical obligation to act in a certain way. So the instructions here are kind of like, you know the way that you should act. Um, here are the instructions. This is how a follower of Jesus, this is someone who's walked with me, this is what you do. This is what is expected. And it's also actually used medically, the same word. Almost like a doctor prescribing something, and you guys know, all of you have had doctors prescribe something, and uh, what are you supposed to do, whether you do it or not? You're supposed to follow the instructions. And a lot of times, doctors, if you go back for the second visit, what are they going to ask you? Did you do what I told you to do? And usually there's some kind of conversation around that if you didn't. You know, it's like, okay, well, how do you expect? And you know how that conversation goes. So there are, there are a lot of different ways to look at this idea of instructions. But, but overall, there's a way to do this. And that's what Jesus is saying. There's a way to do this, and you don't define what that is. I've shown you what that is, and I'm about to, to tell you, here's how you do this. I'm sending you out with this incredible message. You've received it. You've seen, you probably understand a lot of this stuff. But now we're changing it around. You, you need to understand what this looks like when you're going to go do it. Very specific instructions. So it's not this freewheeling thing that we just kind of pick. It starts with God. It's defined by God. It's his message. It's his desire to be reconciled and, uh, to all people, to love all people. And so he, he kind of says how it's done. He governs that, and he guides that. And so being sent out, and, and, and such a powerful ending to that passage there, and many of you may have heard, if you've been around church, uh, you've probably heard the freely you have received, freely give. Just that statement alone is a powerful statement to anybody who would say, I've received something from God. So naturally, you want to say, okay, well, what have I, what have I received from God? And sit down and reflect on that and pray about that and process that and talk through that and really come to an understanding. What exactly have I received? And that is worth some thought, honestly. Some journaling, some reflection. Because if you spend the time on that first part, the second part is so big. Freely give that. Can I? Like, what God gave to me, like, do I have, can only God give that? No. He is clearly implying here that whatever he has given to us, we can give away. Just that phrase alone could change every day of our lives. A lot of processing around that we could do. Freely give what you have been given and struck by this with the instructions. Don't give it your way. Give it my way. Give it in the way that I gave it. I will define how you give this. It's my message. It's my love. You're a beneficiary and a sharer. Such important things for us to understand. Now, I have to stop and say here, if you're sitting here today and you're like, okay, like, I, I feel like you're talking to people who know Jesus and love Jesus. Um, and, and that sounds good, but, but I'm not really sure where I'm at yet. It is worth stopping and saying, 
that God is a free giver. And he loves you so much that he wants you to experience everything that he's ever wanted for you. We sang a song about the end being written. The end has been written for you. He loves you. You're here this morning because he has orchestrated you sitting in this chair. He's drawing you to himself. He has a love to give that's bigger than any love you've ever known. And he desperately wants you to enjoy that. The first step is he wants you to know him. Just like Jesus invited the disciples to follow him, and he didn't just teach them some stuff. He shared his life with them, and they knew who he was. God wants to invite you to get close to him, to see him for who he really is, to know him. And he also wants to show you some really cool stuff along the way. It's all of it. So our prayer and our hope for you, as Mike said at the beginning, the whole reason we exist as a church and we do things the way we do things, why we do that, is we want you to receive that love that Jesus desperately wants you to have. And it's not even something that is defined by us. We know God wants you to have that. So we want to help you have that. So this message is, and you'll, you'll get the play on words here, it's all-inclusive. He wants us to share this all-inclusive message. So it's an all-in message, and all-in meaning it's all-inclusive. There is no one that is disqualified. Everybody's supposed to get a donut. That's really the, the huge thing that Jesus came to accomplish here, is to blow the limits off of this love and this message. Everyone should and can receive the good news of who Jesus is. Glazed, pumpkin spice, October, not really into that, but whatever. Cinnamon, you know, plain, jazzed up. He wants everyone to have it. And he says, as you go, and I'm so thankful that he did this, and I'm sure they were too, and I'm thankful that, that I'm doing this this morning. This isn't my message. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you about something that I don't own. I own it in a sense that I've received it and taken it for myself, but this is God's message. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. I'm going to tell you what the message is. You've received it. You're filled up. You've benefited from it. Your life is flourishing because of it. But let me give you the words to describe this and explain what you have been feeling. This miracle that's happened in your life, let me tell you the words to communicate this to other people. I'm thankful that God does that for us and that the Holy Spirit helps us as we communicate with people. He says, proclaim this message, makes it very clear to them. He says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. We're getting close to Christmas. You hear that Emmanuel, God is with us. That's it. Like God's not far away. Jesus came and got right down in our business and waved his hand and said, here I am. I, I'm presenting myself as you can, you can relate to. I'm right here for you, and here's who I am, and here's what I'm going to do for you, and here's how much I love you. Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's not something that you can't have, you can't understand, you can't feel. It's not something that you can't uh, engage with. This kingdom of heaven is so close to you, you can't feel it. You can't experience it. You can't engage with it, and it can actually be more than this detached part of your life. It can be more than a detached religion. This is something that can actually that you can dig into, that you can sink your teeth into. Kind of like some of, some of you did this morning. I wonder how many of you turned that away. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. There, might, there had to be a couple that were like, no thanks, and passed the donut away. You get in the metaphor? It's bad. You know, even if you didn't like that, you should have taken that donut, man. Fortunately, there is no spiritual significance to that. It's just an illustration. That was their message. The kingdom of heaven is near. You know, and you hear us talking about, you know, one of the ways we say that is Jesus died for our sin. God showed his love for us 
in Jesus by demonstrating how he feels of us by dying on the cross for our sin. That's our message. Paul said, I came and, and I determined to not know anything while I was with you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the message of love and forgiveness and restoration that he wants all people to enjoy. It's an all-inclusive message. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Says we were one translation says we were sent to speak for Christ. And God is begging you to listen to our message. We speak for Christ and sincerely ask you to make peace with God. God has this awesome tone up for you. He has this great thing for you. We really want you to receive this. To receive something. We've received it. I've experienced I, I'm worshiping down in the front. I'm, you know, not as pastor. I am reading these words. I'm like, that was me. That is me. And the reason I'm up here is I'm just wanting to share something. And that's really, we're all in the same boat with that. It's not trying to necessarily debate someone into or change their minds. Like, this is something transformative and awesome that God wants you to have. I've benefited from it. I can see the value in it. And I, and I really want you to have this. So I'm pleading with you. I implore you to consider this message and to receive and have the peace that God wants for all of us. And note that after the resurrection, and, and if you've read the story, if you're, if you're engaged, if you've read through these stories, you'll know this message changed. The instructions changed after the resurrection. He told him first to go to the Jewish people, the people that God had initially uh, talked with and had initially showed himself with, and he wanted to engage them. He wanted to try to recapture their attention. And then after the resurrection, he says, okay, like that's kind of underway and, and we're working on that. But now after the resurrection, no limits. Now you go to everyone with this message. After the resurrection, it's everyone. So truly an all-inclusive message that anyone who's willing to listen, anyone who's willing to take the plate, anyone who's willing to sniff it a little bit, even if you kind of hold it in your lap for a while. I could go all day with this metaphor. Anyone who's willing to, you know, it's a process. You, you, you receive it. Some of you guys kind of look at it a little bit. Some of you wonder about where it's come from, who's given this to me, what's in it, what's the order to come. You know, this whole process. But, you know, anyone who's willing to engage that process from receiving the plate all the way to taking a bite, all the way to, well, we won't go too far with that, digesting it and such. Anyone who's willing to do that, you can be all in. You can be part of this awesome kingdom, this awesome family. And he says, I'll be with you always. As you go do this, as you freely give what I've given you to everyone around you, I am going to be with you. He invites all to become his disciples. He invites everybody to be baptized. There's no, there's no requirement set on people. And he invites all of us to go and represent him. Wow, what a privilege. What an opportunity. And he says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have le leprosy. So it's like he's saying, minister to all of the person and all of the people. He's not just saying go and talk. He's like, heal people, raise the dead, care for the whole person. Go and let this message not only be transformative in an academic way, but let this truly be ministering to all people and all of who they are. And so this compassion and the power. You see the signs of them healing people. All of this was to demonstrate God's power, his love, his compassion, his willingness, and his ability. Not only do I have this love for you, but I have the power to change your life. 
And he gave them that power to go and minister to people. And there's a message there. The message is the core. And orbiting around that message are all of these different acts of love that are expressions really of what Jesus did on the cross. He demonstrated by action that he loved us and was willing to forgive us. And he tells his disciples, go and do the same thing. Pay attention to the needs of people and liberally give to them joined with this message. It's not two separate things. It all comes together. Praying for people to be healed, feeding someone who's hungry, caring for someone who's sick, and the list goes on. I mean, you guys could fill in a million blanks there. All of that is giving away what God has given to us. It's sharing a love that, honestly, we wouldn't even understand or be able to act on without Jesus. Best case, we can do it out of feeling but not know why we're doing it. I'll love this person. I'll heal them. I don't really understand why, but I just know it's a good thing to do. Jesus wants us to know the why. The gospel is the why. God's the why. People have value because God made them and he was willing to die to set them free and to win them back. So when we live this this sent out mindset, it exposes how all in we really are. It exposes how much we're willing to share what God has given to us. And really, the disciples were all imperfect. They hadn't really graduated, you know. They didn't take a competency test or a I am uh, 90% sin-free test. Jesus didn't put them through any of that. He said, it's time. You get out there with your broken, you know, messed up selves. You know, you, you get this. We're walking together. It's time to go. So we can't even disqualify ourselves by the, by the fact that we're imperfect or messed up. The truth is, if we're following Jesus, freely give. We have been freely given, so we freely give to others. This is wherever. It's to whoever. It's no matter what the circumstance. It's whether it's easy or it's hard. He doesn't qualify that. He actually said, if anyone wants to follow me, if anyone wants to be my disciple... And this, this is, uh, I was, I was kind of teasing earlier about David having the uh, complete Jewish Bible. And I know why, why he, he isolated this excerpt of Luke 9, 23 and 24. It says this, then he, to everyone he said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him say no to himself. This is how much this freely giving is really worth. This, uh, this is how important it is to God. Take up his execution stake, his cross, daily, and keep following me. For whoever tries to save his own life, keep your own donut will destroy it. But whoever destroys his life on my account will save it. So that's really taking this to a level that, that, that gets uncomfortable. This is how important this is. This is what God's saying. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. This is how important it is to me that this goes way beyond convenience. And the disciples ended up learning in pretty visceral ways. I'll call the disciples back up now, actually, if you guys would come back up to the front, our, our disciples for this morning, that all represent one of the disciples. This is what this meant for them. And we, we, the, our task as followers of Jesus, has to, we have to figure out what this means for us. Come on up to the front. Just line up across the front, uh, U12. We have uh, some information as to what this looked like for, for, the, for the disciples. Now, Judas was not part of that. He, he, uh, he betrayed Jesus. And so you guys just line up here. And so all of these guys represent a disciple. And, and here's how their lives, based on Fox's Book of Martyrs, you know, the best information we have is to maybe the end of their lives. Here, here's what happened to James. He was thrust through with a sword in Jerusalem for the sake of the gospel. 
That's how important it was. Now imagine the plate of donuts now. And imagine between them with the donut and you, there's someone with a sword. And them saying, lads, donut's really important. I, I, gotta, I gotta go that way. It was really easy for them to hand it to you this morning, but these guys, you know, what if there's an ocean there? What if there's an angry mob between them and you? Jesus is saying, this is so important. I still want you to do it. Because people need this, and I want them to have it. Andrew went to Russia, Scotland, crucified in Greece on an X-shaped cross, far away from home. Philip ministered in Asia Minor. He was tortured and stoned to death in Hierapolis. Bartholomew went to Persia, India, Armenia, tied up in a sack and thrown into the sea. These guys are crazy. Like, this is stupid. You know, are we serious here? Matthew went to Ethiopia, Persia, the kingdom of the Parthians, Macedonia, Syria, and he was either burned at the stake or stabbed in the back in Ethiopia, one of the two. Not sure which exact story where Matthew ended up. From tax collector having parties to that. Thomas, India, pierced with a pine spear and tortured with red-hot plates and burned alive. Get emotional thinking about this because it's like, man, India? Was, was he thinking, was Thomas thinking about that? On the day that he was like, man, I'm not sure, like, show, show me the scars in your hands. I'm not sure. You think he ended up being sure? It sounds like he ended up being sure. James, son of Alphaeus, Syria, Persia, clubbed to death by a mob. Simon the Zealot went to Egypt, British Isles, crucified. Thaddeus ministered in Mesopotamia near Turkey, near Iran, clubbed to death in Mesopotamia, which is Lebanon. John went to Ephesus and died of natural causes. He survived his own execution. When a cauldron of boiling oil couldn't kill him, Diocletian exiled him to the island of Patmos where he lived until his death in AD 95. I wonder what his thoughts were about the people he served with. Maybe he was wondering, like, I wish I would have died like them. Peter went to Rome crucified upside down in a city that was not his own with his wife next to him. You know, in these moments, it gets real. This is more than just some cute message that we round out our lives with. At least it was for them. Being sent out by Jesus is risky. And it was easy to take a donut and hand it to you this morning in this temperature-controlled room with padded seating. But the truth is that this message is so important that he wants us to be in, all in, with what we have. And what do we have? We have nothing but what God has allowed us to have. Nothing but what he has given us. And he wants us to be all in with it. Give away what you have been given. And I got to say something here. I work with students and spent a lot of years working with students. And, you know, I've been thinking the, the last few days, something's been working on me been working at a suburban church, suburban American church, basically my whole life, my whole ministry, adult life. And I look at our kids and I wonder, and we're all mostly adults sitting in here, and I look at our kids and some of you students, you're kind of listening in right now. I know the message we preach, where we're hearing it right now. But sometimes I wonder if really what we want is for our kids to just hear all of this stuff, but we really don't want them to live it. Because it's not safe. It's not neat. It's not tidy like they might have the income they need. 
we want them to hear it, and we'll even make them come to church to hear it. And we feel good about the fact that they know this stuff, but do we really want the next generation to actually live this? And what would our response be if the next generation, if our children born in our house that were responsible for their protection and safety, what would our response be if they actually lived like this? Would we be okay with that? Are we raising a generation of people who understand and go to church and have a religion in their life? Are we raising disciples, people who are all in? Because really, as I understand it, this message really is all in. When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, or you can't even do it, it's crazy. It's craziness. It really is a crazy message. So if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I'm not even sure. Like, this is nuts. You know, there's no hiding it. Like, you can read it for yourself. I'm not making this up. And what should we be encouraging our kids to embrace? American suburban religion that's comfortable and quaint and safe with a nice message we can save to people or a dangerous message that's global? That means that we give everything because this life isn't all there is. That this is five minutes down here and eternity is really what matters. And, and, the, and the harder question maybe for us, me included, sitting here, is that if we don't want our kids maybe to really live that, do we? Where, where are they looking to learn? And what are we showing them with our lives? At what length are we willing to go to to give this away? And if we keep it, who misses out? If we aren't willing to, to put ourselves out of the way a little bit or sacrifice or maybe be in some kind of hardship to give this the way, that, then are we really even disciples? This is something I struggle with all the time. What does all in mean for you? And that's the hard part. I can't decide that for you. I'm trying to figure it out for me. I'm not saying you got to go and like jump in a pot of oil somewhere, you know, or, or do something crazy. They didn't orchestrate this. They didn't go looking to be martyred. They just did what God wanted them to do, and they were willing to keep stepping in that direction. And so the hard question is, to whom have you been sent? And to what lengths are you willing to go to deliver the message? Because there are people in your life that only you can reach. Are we reaching them? And if we are, what message are we giving them? I want to ask the worship team to come back up and I hope there's something for you to think about and pray about. There certainly is for me as I sit here this morning. And there's no stage of life that we should be taking a break thinking about this stuff. So I'd ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and let me just tell you, just as a, as a guy up here, not as a pastor or a church worker, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, you either just stumbled onto Riverside or someone brought you, let me just tell you, just as, a, as another human being up here, I was broken, and I'm broken. And I wouldn't have anything I have without him. So I'm up here just imploring you to give Jesus a shot. Reach out and talk to this God. Because, man, if he can, if he can do with my life what he's done, I know he can do something awesome with yours. So just hear me as another human being today. I want to invite you to just talk to Jesus and ask him to show you that love and to give you the life that he died for you to have. You don't have to understand it all right now. It's one step. 
And you can make it this morning by having an honest conversation with him. If you're here this morning, and, and maybe honestly, we all have these moments. I have them all the time. Maybe your prayer is, God, forgive me, because I, I, I think I've just kind of been missing the depth of this. And I don't even know what it means, but I feel like there's way more. Help me to take a pause and to figure this thing out so that the rest of my life can be exactly what you drew it up to be. Maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling poured out. You're feeling like you're, you're somewhere in that middle zone and you're facing that next step that could get uncomfortable or mess up your life a little bit. Have even your own family or people that live in your house going, man, you're weird. You're taking this too far. The Holy Spirit can and will help you to take that very difficult next step. Maybe as you sit here, you know to whom you've been sent, but you are struggling with how to give the donut to him. You're struggling with how to deliver it, how to present it. You're concerned. You, you, you got these things going on where you're trying to figure it out, and it's tough, and, and I understand that. Your prayer this morning can be, Holy Spirit, help me to figure this out. And I honestly believe that if you pray that sincerely and over and over again, if you are honest with the Holy Spirit, he will show you how to deliver the good news to the people that he has put in your path. And we can't control the results. I was teasing you earlier about the people that took the donut. All we can do is offer it. And if people turn it away or don't want to engage with it, there's nothing we can do about that. I mean, this church isn't packed with people standing in the back this morning. There are a lot of dusty Bibles on shelves in this country, maybe more than in any other country. We can't control how much people engage with it. All we can do is say to Jesus, yeah, I'll go there to these people. And yes, I'll say these things. And yes, I'll represent you. And the, and the response may be brutal. People, people may exile you from family, from, from social structures, even from jobs. You may be rejected. But for the one who receives, it, it's my opinion, and I think the Bible teaches this, that it's worth it all. Because the truth is Jesus would have died for one of us. One sheep that's gone astray. That's how much he cares. Can we do that? Can we do all of that effort? Can we make all of that sacrifice for the one? If only one person in your whole life responded to this message, would you still lay it all out there? I hope I would. God, help us this morning to respond to you and to talk to you in the way that we should. And help us to be faithful with what you've given us. We don't want to be the ones that sit and enjoy the donut by ourselves in a corner and then get and stand before you someday, having not shared that liberally and freely. Whatever hardship we incur will never match what you've done for us. I pray that everyone in here would experience that good news and that grace. Give them the courage to accept to overcome their fear and confusion, accept you into their lives so that they can experience this transformation, this peace, this eternal life that you buy, bought for us and that you give freely. In Jesus' name, we pray these things and we worship you. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www dot riversideconnect dot org